Amen. You're all right back there. Um, I mean, there's loads of space forward here if anyone wants to just move forward. I, I don't mind you moving around. Thanks, Neil. Thanks. Um, uh, it just means I'm, you know, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a real joy to be here this morning. Um, uh, Eli, our youngest boy, is playing football, so uh, Lisa and Barry uh, are with him, watching him play. Um, and um, Lucy uh, really likes her own space, so she's enjoying the house by herself this morning with no one else. When there's six of you in the house, finding a moment when there's just one of you, she just grabbed it, so she's there. Uh, Anya's downstairs. Please say hi to her if you haven't already. Um, she loves saying hi to people, so, um, yeah. Uh, I, can I just start by saying a huge thank you to you as a, as a church family for the way in which you've, uh, you have sent us... I don't think it was a damp squib. So, uh, yes, it was different because of COVID, but actually it's probably quite helpful. I remember when we planted the oak out of mosaic, I just spent days crying. And so it was quite helpful that we didn't have to do all that because then I didn't have to spend days crying. Um, but it is an emotional thing when you, when you, A, get sent from a church to plant, but also when you as a church plant because there's a sending of some of your friends and family who you've grown around, you've spent a lot of time growing in God together. And um, so I just want to say thank you for being willing and for sending. And uh, our prayer for you is, is that you would continue to plant and send more and more and more. Uh, there are nowhere near enough churches in Lees and Bradford for us to see Lees and Bradford one for Christ. So we do need to plant probably hundreds more churches, if not thousands, in order to see the something like two million people within a few miles of this uh, church building uh, come to know and love, or at least have the opportunity to hear of the grace and love of Jesus. So if that's my encouragement to let's go again. Uh, and, uh, and we planted, we planted our first church, well, the Oak planted their first church in uh, sort of 10 years. By God's grace, I wonder if that will be less before you plant your next one as well. So there, there's my little challenge. Um, uh, yes. Um, so, so thank you so much for praying for us, for committing. Uh, those of you who get our um, monthly, uh, or sometimes bi-monthly, or I think right now it's almost like quad-monthly uh, email, uh, we will write another one. Thank you so much for faithfully praying. We are seeing loads of answers to those things that we're asking you for praying for us. So thank you so much. Thank you also for your encouragements, your prayers, your cards, your phone calls, all the things that over the last year. When you've been doing church with a couple of hundred people for a long period of time, it's quite strange then changing to being church with 10 of you. And so it's been a massive adjustment. So having lots of friends staying connected with us has been really lovely. So thank you so much for all of that. Um, if you've been tracking with us over the last year, you'll have also noticed that we're planting Grace City slightly differently. Uh, if you want to read more about that, you can read our blog uh, on our website, and that will tell you a little bit more about our story. But in essence, we're planting simply, really simply. And so we're trying not to get doing lots of things, and we're just trying to plant very, very simply. We're learning to follow the Holy Spirit to find people who are open to God. That is what we are primarily doing as a people, to help them discover God in the Bible and to equip them to reach their friends and family. That is pretty much all we're doing. And wrapped up in there is doing that together, loving one another, praying with each other, etc., etc. But that's really what we're doing. And it means we're spending most of our time learning to pray, learning to talk about faith, 
in every and in any situation, and learning how to lead people who are open to discover Jesus. So that's what we're doing. Uh, it's really quite simple. I don't really know how to explain it other than that. Lots of people ask us, how's it going? Well, it's going in that I think God is changing us more than anything else and growing us to be more and more like him. And we're starting to see a few uh, really fun things. So uh, would you mind if I started with a few stories and then I'm going to officially start my preach and that's when I'll press start on my stopwatch. Is that all right? Great. Um, so a, a couple of little stories. Um, one, uh, my, my, one of my neighbors, uh, we, we had a few opportunities where just in the course of conversation, um, one of the things that we do on our Sundays is we try and share the story that we're learning uh, on a Sunday. We try and share that during the week with people. And so I just got to share our story a couple of times uh, with one of my neighbors. And then one time I just said to him, and I, I kind of felt like I was totally out of my comfort zone. I said to him, so I'm just keeping the X in mind. Um, I, I said to him, you know, I, I, I've shared a couple of stories with you. I wonder if you'd be look, up for looking at a few more of these stories in the Bible. And to my utter shock, he said yes. And he is on a journey. And I don't know what God's doing in his life, but he's on a journey where he's discovering God in the Bible and one of our other team, Joe, I think you, most, lots of you know Joe. Um, Joe's been praying to get to know the names of everyone on her street. And her street's quite big, so there's quite a lot of names. And systematically and quite wonderfully, God's just been revealing the names of different people in various ways. Sometimes she's bumping into people. One time, Lisa bumped into somebody whose who's like family member happened to live opposite Joe. So Lisa was able to go back to Joe and go, oh, I know your neighbor's thing. And, and then recently, one of her neighbors has had a baby. And so she's been able to, if you know Joe, she's a midwife. Um, and so she's been able to then help and get to know. She's just getting to know her neighbors in a really beautiful way and looking for opportunities constantly to be proud for, sharing scripture, and encouraging her neighbors. Um, Joanne, some of you know Joanne. Joanne has, um, has been faithfully walking her dog in the cemetery, and one of the reasons that she went to the cemetery was because we looked at the story of Jesus going to free the guy who was full of chains, and he was in a cemetery. And so lots of us that week went to cemeteries to pray for people. It was a bit of a crazy week. We didn't pray for the dead to be rise. We didn't quite have that much faith. But um, we were praying for people, and she's been going back to that cemetery time and time again and meeting some of the same people who clearly walk their dogs in there and learning to pray for people and, and offer people prayer. And it's amazing to watch what God's doing. And I could tell you stories of all the team of what's happening as God's just growing them. Three of the kids from our little team, um, one of the responses that they made to looking at one of the stories in the Bible was to choose to get baptized. And so we're currently, uh, me and one of the other dads is now doing a, a six-part Bible study with our kids, uh, just walking through what baptism is and helping them pr to prepare for baptism, because at some point, we'll be filling the bath and baptizing the kids. So, so that's quite fun. So there's just lots of really fun, new, interesting things going on amongst us. And amongst all of that, we are praying for miracles. We're praying for people to come to know Jesus, because that's a miracle. You can't make it happen. The Apostle Paul said it's not by persuasive words, but it's by his power that people come to know Jesus. And so we're praying for miracles. Um, I trust you're praying for miracles too. Well, or if not, pray for our miracles. That'd be great. Um, we'd love you to do that. So if you have a Bible on you, can I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 4? And we're going to look from verses 5 to 24. It's going to appear on the screen. Oh, it's already started to appear on the screen. Look at that. Um, it's going to appear on the screen. Boom. Um, Acts chapter 4, this is the NIV version. 
One of the most common characters in the early life of the church, after Jesus has risen from the dead, is the Holy Spirit. Time and time again, if you read through the book of Acts, and actually if you keep reading then through the New Testament, you discover that the Holy Spirit is constantly present, constantly referred to, constantly talked about, and the disciples are constantly referred to as being full of said Holy Spirit. We're going to spend some time today looking at and listening to the story that's found in Acts chapter 4 about these ordinary disciples who meet the Holy Spirit. They're full of this Holy Spirit, and they're doing incredibly courageous things by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start by reading this story twice, out loud, with someone reading it for us. So if you've got it in front of you, that's great. You can read it on the screen. But we're going to look at the story. We're going to read it through twice together. So I'm looking for a couple of volunteers. So you can you know, put your hand up in just a second. Um, you need to read the one on the screen, not the one on your phone, so that everybody can see the one on the screen. That would be helpful. So if you can't see on the screen, but you really want to read it, then come to the front. Um, and then, if you, um, then we're going to follow our reading of the story with a couple of really simple questions that we're going to do together in small groups. And then I've got some things that I want to share to you, which I think will probably be very similar to the things that you've already discovered in this passage. So I'm looking for my first volunteer. I have my first volunteer down here. And I have a microphone, too. Do you need me to stand up? You, no, you can do whatever you like. You can lie down right. if you like, as long as you can read this. <laughs> Don't tempt me. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, got a bit of feedback there, but Annas, the high priest, was there. And so were on Alexander and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. 
But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in, his, in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Thanks, Neil. That's great. Who wants to read it again? Yes. Can you, can you see it from there? Are you good? Just about. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Amazing. Thank you. So here's my first challenge. 
I wonder if there's an opportunity this week for you to retell this story to somebody else. Maybe someone at home or a work colleague or a neighbor or someone on the end of the phone. Sometimes when someone from our church family isn't there, our kids say, I'll ring them. So the other night, Eli rang Joe uh, to tell her the story from the morning. Because uh, so he, he was like, I said I'd share with someone. I'm going to share with Joe. And he rang her and retold the story from his memory what he'd, what he'd heard. And uh, it's a really great way sharing with people. It's a really great way of putting the word of God on our lips, but also memorizing just stories. Um, and uh, I, I just want to, before I, get, I move on, when we were worshiping, I was reminded of the story of... Um, uh, uh, Mary in the alabaster jar, and she comes to Jesus, and she breaks open this really expensive perfume, like, I mean, not like 40, 50 quid, like hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands of pounds worth of perfume over Jesus' feet and washes them. I just felt there's, there's maybe one or some people here this morning for whom Jesus is saying, it's okay to break that open on my feet. It's okay to give me the thing that is most precious to you. I promise I'll look after you. Because actually what happens in the story is, is that woman then gets accepted by Jesus, welcomed by Jesus, restored by Jesus, and then commissioned by Jesus. And we see her later on. She's one of the first people at the tomb with Jesus. She's released in the church. She, she goes on to do all sorts of wonderful, miraculous things. Maybe this morning God's asking you to give something to him that's really costly and expensive. We're going to just turn together in twos or threes, preferably not fours twos or threes, so if you're not sat next to anybody, you might need to shuffle along, and I want you just to ask each other, we're literally going to do this for two minutes, so I'm going to, I've got a timer here, look, I've got a stopwatch, I'm going to time you, we've just got two minutes, just to look at this first question, what do you notice in this story about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or God? What do you notice in this story? So just bring your little bits. Make sure everyone in the group gets to share something. Just what do you notice in this story about Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or God? Go. You've got about 10 seconds left. Five, four, three, two, one. Great. Can I have you? Thank you. Very obedient. 
Okay, so, so any, anybody want to just share a really short, single sentence? What do you notice about, about God, about that, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, or God? Sorry, uh, the Holy Spirit makes them bold. It's makes them noted bold. How they, it's noted how bold they are. It's great. That's really good. I think it's just amazing that, um, you know, Jesus has given uh, Peter and that, you know, the, the, the power, power of yeah. having this Holy Spirit, because he said that it would be, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have permission yeah. to go out and heal in my name. It's good. And they're doing it. It's good. Great. Anyone else? The, the men that they were talking to realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Been with Jesus, yes. It's a little tiny bit, isn't it? But it's like, oh, that stood out. One more? Uh, they were so impacted by Jesus that they couldn't help but speak of everything they'd seen and heard. Yeah, they're so impacted they couldn't help. So impacted by Jesus. Okay, great. Turn back into the same groups, or if you didn't like those, mix them up. I don't mind. <laughs> the person you're with might. Uh, and ask this next question. What do you notice in this story about John, or Peter, or other people, or even yourself? What do you notice about people in this story? Okay, go for it. Right, 10 seconds. Five, four, three, two, one. Great. I thought you were going to join in with the five, four, three, two, one. You did that with Andrew earlier. It's like favoritism. Um, great. So, anyone? Anyone want to share? Short. John and Peter were empowered yeah. by what they'd actually seen, so they weren't going to be dictated to by the elders. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'd seen Jesus. The priests were dumb, dumbstruck, and yeah. the people were in awe. Yeah, that's great. Priests were dumbstruck, the people were in awe. Neil at the front here. Am I going to obey men or God? Yeah, that's good. Really good. Uh, John and Peter had no training. 
Um, and yet they were the ones who were bold, while yeah. the ones with the training, the priests, were yeah. the ones dumbstruck. So. Yeah, yeah. It's massive, isn't it? Two things I noticed. One, um, I feel like I identify with Jesus somehow, because um, when Peter said, Jesus, the stone that the builders had rejected, so at some point, Jesus had faced rejection, so it's not a strange phenomenon yeah. that I can be rejected. And the second thing that stood out for me is, um, boldness is not necessarily confidence, so sometimes you feel confident but not bold enough to do what yeah. you need to do for Christ. Yeah, and great. I think boldness is from the Holy Spirit and yeah. not just what confidence would be. Cracking. Brilliant, brilliant points. Um, so um, so we're, we're all good. I'm just going to close my screen. Let's pray and we're finished because you guys have done a brilliant job. Uh, I, do, I do have a few things to share, but I think probably some very, very similar things to what you've already pulled out. Those two questions, by the way, are really easy questions to use, firstly, when you're reading the Bible, but secondly, when you're reading the Bible with anyone else, because it's really easy when we read the Bible to then tell people what we think it means, but you can ask people, what do you think it tells you about God? And if the passage talks about the Holy Spirit, what do you think it tells you about the Holy Spirit? If, and then you can talk about the characters in the story. What does it tell you about John or Peter or the people or, or the priests or others? It, it's a really simple way of helping people to explore the scriptures with you. It's a great way of doing it with kids as well. Um, so these men, they, re- they knew Jesus. I think that's fairly obvious from the passage, isn't it? They, they knew Jesus. I mean, it says in the passage they had been with Jesus. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, the moment I saw the names of the priests, I was like, I've seen those names before. Where have I seen those names before? And you dive back. They were the same guys that were in charge of the Sanhedrin when Jesus went through it. So, the, so like, these guys, not, oh, they were with Jesus. But also, can you just imagine the other way around? The guy is going, man, the last time our friend was with these guys, he, I mean, he ended up killed. So it's, it's a bit of a challenging place to be. But these men knew Jesus. They'd listened to him. They'd done what he told them to do. They'd waited when he'd said, wait. And they'd, they'd moved when he said, move. They, they'd been with, these were two of the guys who, when Jesus said, go into every town and, and, take, and take my peace with you and heal the sick and, and, and cast out demons, that's, they did. They, off they went. And then they came back and said, you'll never guess what happened. They had followed Jesus, and Jesus had proved himself to be faithful, and they'd done that, and they'd followed him. They'd done what he said, and then they'd done the same again. They'd received the Holy Spirit that he'd promised, he'd said they would have. He said, I'm going to go, but, but I'm going to send someone to be a helper with you. So they'd, they said, well, Jesus said, wait, so I guess we should wait. And they waited, and then guess what? What Jesus said would happen, happened. And so they, they were, these, these people, they, they knew and they trusted Jesus because their story told them so. I wonder if your story tells you that you can know and trust Jesus. It probably, if, you've, if you've known Jesus for a while, it probably tells you, yes, you can do the same. If you haven't met Jesus, there's a bunch of people in this room who have got stories of Jesus' faithfulness to them, just like Peter and John. They spent time with God and they received his spirit so often that they're described as being full. Not like, yeah, they had this kind of sense about them. Or they were nice people. The description is they were full of the Holy Spirit. They were full of God. Something about them said, God's there. God's there. They knew Jesus so well. They'd learned to trust him. He'd never let them down. He'd said it was better to go and give them the helper. 
Here's a question for me. As I look at this passage, I'm like, can I be described by you lot or by anyone else as someone who is full of the Spirit? Thank you. It was a rhetorical question. But, but, you could, but I wonder the same question. If you know Jesus, the same promises are true for you. So, so would we be described in that way? And I think it's quite a sobering question because sometimes, yes, lots of times, no, maybe not. Wouldn't you love to be described? Someone bumped into you in the street. There's just something different about you. Like you are just full of something else. Or maybe if you met another Christian, sometimes when you go to another nation and you speak to another Christian and you can't speak the same language, you, can, you just know they're a Christian. There's something of the Spirit upon them. Sometimes we look at some Christians and we think they've got some secret connection with God. Like Peter and, um, Peter and John are just super special. That makes them able to be full. But it's not true. It's not, but the Bible tells us that's not true. The prophet Joel prophesied that God's Spirit would be poured out on all people, young and old, men and women, rich and poor, everybody. That means you and me. What Peter and John are experiencing is not biblical time stuff. They had experienced the Holy Spirit. They'd been with Jesus. So can you, and this is for you too. Verse 13 said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John, they weren't superheroes. We have to take them down off the pedestals. They were not superheroes. They were ordinary men, people like you and me. But they had been with Jesus. And the priests and those around them noticed they'd been with Jesus. For Peter and John, that meant the first thing that they offered to people to fix their issues or their problem was not to fix it or to offer advice or to help them, although they could have, it was to give them Jesus. This story, if you jump back a whole other chapter, you'll see the lead up to this story. They're walking along and they meet a guy who's begging. And so they come to the guy and, they, and, and they really, they've got nothing to give. And so they offer him the one thing they do have, which is Jesus. And so they say to the guy, get up, you're healed. And he gets up and everyone's like, I don't know what to do with this. And it ends up with them standing in front of this, this kind of a religious court because the religious leaders don't know what to do with the fact that this guy just got healed. He was over 40 years old. I'm over 40 years old too, and I don't know if anyone else in the room spotted that and was like, oh. But, but he was over, and so they're like, we just don't know what to do. It's not like he just got better. He, something's happened. We've known him at this gate, and so here they are. But they'd offered him Jesus. That's what they gave to him. They'd been with Jesus. They'd received what Jesus had promised. Peter and John went through this season, though, both of them, at different points. When you read through the Gospels, you'll see they get some really difficult moments where their sin and their shame gets highlighted by Jesus. He shows a, 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 like a torchlight on the wreck of their heart. So we get this moment now where we're like, oh, but they were so bold and so courageous and so wonderful. Yeah, but the journey to get there, they walked through 
Jesus revealing their brokenness and their sin and their shame and them discovering that Jesus could be their savior and their salvation. He forgave them and he healed their heart. And the, re- the result of that process was that Jesus was on their lips because they discovered that they couldn't live without him. And this is the process that God uses to put his name on our lips. He shows us our brokenness, our sin, the wreckage of our hearts, the habits of our bodies. And he heals us. And he forgives us. And he calls us to then go with his name on our lips because there's no one, there's no one else who can do any of that. And he calls us to go just like Peter and John. The journey is the same. Do you, do you, do you hear what's going on in the passage? Do you, do you see that? Peter and John, they've got Jesus' name on their lips, but it's because of what Jesus has done in their lives leading up. Do you know, my experience of this last season has been really similar to Peter and John, and probably for many of you here as well. Jesus revealing sin, bringing me to repentance, pouring out forgiveness, healing my heart. And the result, I would say the result is he is more on my lips now than I think he's ever been at any point in my life begun to look for opportunities in every conversation to talk about Jesus. I'm in a month right now where I said at the beginning of the month, I'm looking for a conversation every single day with somebody who doesn't know Jesus about faith, spiritual things, hopefully Jesus. And I reckon I'm on about 75% of days. Some days, three or four, some days, like, I mean, some days I've literally, Lisa's been like, you haven't had your, your conversation yet. Are you walking the dog this evening then? Off I go, walking the dog. I'm like, somebody is going to get a conversation, and I don't know who it is, but I'm hungry to encounter people who want to know about Jesus. But I also, I just want to speak about Jesus. You know, God is here this morning, ready to reveal sin and brokenness, but also to forgive sin and brokenness, to heal you and put his name on your lips. That's what he's longing to do. You are Peter and John in your circle. Whoever you are, however long you followed him, today is an opportunity. You know, radical Christians like Peter and John, they're not really that radical at all. They're, as the passage described, ordinary people who have been with Jesus and his name is on their lips. So they've got nothing else to live for. The ordinary Christian life, lived by believers all around the world and all throughout history, looks more like Peter and John's life than probably mine. And that's massively challenging. (laughs) Or maybe it should be challenging to us. Could it be, apologies if this lands really badly, we're just going to have to cope with it. Could it be that many of us have settled for a Christian life without the name of Jesus in every moment in order to fit in or to not cause offense or because it's really hard or because I don't know what to say or because we don't talk about religion and politics in this country. You'll have noticed everyone talks about religion and politics. It's just, we say that we don't, but we do. Or maybe it's it's not, it's not my personality type, or it's not my gifting. 
There's nothing in this passage that describes their personality or their gifting or their jobs or anything. They were confident in the name of Jesus, their friend. Jesus being on their lips wasn't their occupation or their personality type or whether they were introverted or extroverted. He was on their lips because of what he'd done in their lives, which I think was your point about boldness. The boldness that they had came not from their own self, but from being with Jesus and what Jesus had given them. They could not stop talking about him. When challenged by the same people who challenged Jesus, they weren't afraid. They'd met a man the day before who was lame and begging, and their response to was, give, was to give him Jesus. Jesus' name is enough. I find the more I talk about Jesus, the more I have more knockbacks and more setbacks, and more people say, I don't want to talk about Jesus. But the more opportunities and the more situations where people say that I do want to talk about Jesus. Because there are lots of people who want to talk about Jesus. But I've become really comfortable in just not even bringing him up. Because <laughs> that way I don't have to deal with the fact that someone might say, I don't want to be bashed around the head with Jesus, please. Okay. I guarantee there's somebody who does. Somebody who really wants to talk about Jesus. Offering people someone who can transform their lives. You know, I've started to just try and practice and use in lots of situations when people talk about their lives to be able to try and figure out how do I, how do I talk about the person that I know can help in this situation. So when someone says, I'm just so tired, I know someone who can give you true rest. He's given me true rest. I, he can help. His name is Jesus. I'm worried. You know, Jesus can meet you in your, in your worries. I'm sick I was on the phone to somebody, a friend of mine, and he said, uh, and he described that he was sick, and I said, well, I believe in a God who heals. Can I pray for you? And he texted back half an hour later to say, you'll never guess what. He was here. I mean, he used a lot of expletives in the process. You'll never guess what. I've been healed. I'm frightened. Even in our darkest moments, Jesus helps. So when they went back to the believers to tell of their experience, can you remember what happened in the story? What happened when they went back to the believers? Last paragraph. They prayed. And then if you keep reading, the next section is boldness happens. <laughs> They're like, oh, do you know, Jesus, when we talk about what Jesus is doing, when we tell stories about what Jesus is doing in our lives, that faith builds, and it builds in the disciples, and then we get more. We get, we get Acts chapter 5, and then 6, and then chapter 7, Stephen gets stoned, and, and he gets stoned because he's been telling people about Jesus. The, the outworking of this is that more and more of the disciples start to talk about Jesus more and more and more. There's something in the response, though, of Peter and John to the lame man, to the Sanhedrin, and to their church that tells you who, not what, they trusted. And so I wonder what your response is this morning. I'm not going to run through any application points. I'm going to ask you just to turn back into your little twos and threes and to ask, well, if this is God's word, what could you do now? or this week, in response. And this is probably a good time for Graham to come up and we'll sing in, in about as long as it takes for Graham to get up and get his guitar <laughs> on. Um, he'll do that reasonably slowly. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so just, just take a moment. Maybe pray for one another. Put your hand on, on one another. Pray, Lord Jesus, lead us to respond to your word, that we might read your word and obey your word. Hear your word and obey your word. Jesus, what do you want us to do in response?
We're going we're gonna to sing together, but I, I wonder, does, is anyone brave enough just to say what they're going to do in response? Is anyone brave enough to tell, I mean, just tell me and I'll have the microphone in front of you. Just to tell me secretly, but I'll hold a microphone and you can tell everyone. Anyone want to say what they're going to do in response? Come on, let's have some boldness. I'm going to seek to have Jesus' name on my lips in all situations, praising, thankfulness, desperation. He's going to be there. Great. Great. Anyone else? Well, we're two oldies and realize that we both find it really, really difficult to talk about Jesus to other people. So we've decided to pray for one another this yeah. week for boldness yeah. and to know the help of the Holy Spirit in getting, on, getting out there. That is an awesome response. Great. We've got time for one more. Just one more. There's a queue here of people ready to tell me, but I'll just take the first one. One more. Come on. Yes. We're just going to pray every day that God would give us, um, yeah, someone to talk to and share about Jesus with. Amen. All right, let's sing together, shall we?